rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Twice is driving home the point and stressing the importance of life. And so that includes Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And that includes every day in the coming year. So here's the question I have for you this morning. And here's what I want you to think about. You may believe it's an impossibility, but what would it take for you to be joyful all year long? Think about that. What would it take for you to be joyful all year long? We're told that joy is possible. We're told that joy is commanded always. So, again, I ask, what would it take for you to have joy every day of 2023? Is it possible to have a week that we just sang about? Is it possible to truly have joy in your heart? Now, again, you may think that scenario is an impossibility in your world. I mean, there are too many things that fight against happiness of joy in your life. I understand it. I get it. The concept of joy every day, to many, is just a pipe dream. It's a pipe dream that kids are told to sing about, preachers preach about, but no one really experiences it. At least, that's what some would say. So then, what would it take for you to have joy for all of 2023? A miracle! Okay, then let's see what God has to say about that fact. A few weeks before Christmas, we preached on the last part of Philippians chapter 4. I told you at that time, I warned you, that uh, we were going to preach the passage as it was intended, which actually, the end of chapter 4, is a message about giving and receiving. It really is. And so we preached the actual understanding and accurate interpretation and understanding of Philippians chapter 4 and what God would have for us at the end of the chapter. But I told you that I preached a number of years ago from the same passage, two great truths from the text that we may come back to and visit. So today, we're going to visit that. But I'm sorry, there's one more this time. I added a third. Uh, And I want you to see from Philippians chapter 4 that in this passage, there aren't just two great truths, but there really are, we'll call it, three great truths promises. And there are promises that are really worth contemplating, and they're wonderful as we look forward to a new year and the uncertainties that are to come. These promises are foundational to you being able to live on Sunday with joy, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday with a song in your heart every day of the week, every day of the year. So, what would it take for you to have joy every day in 2023? Well, we'll seek to answer that in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for uh, this wonderful chapter in this book. We've had opportunity to preach all the way through, but today, for one more time, have opportunity to look at the great truths that are shared at at the end of this book to encourage us with the hope that joy can be ours and that we can rejoice in the Lord always as is talked about and spoken of in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. 
So I pray, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts with the truths that are found here, that we would be encouraged today as we leave this place, knowing that joy is indeed a possibility. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to look at those three things, but we're going to have to start with the negative. All right, we're going to end. We're looking at, we're just imagining we're still at the end of the year. We're going to start with the stealers of joy that need to be conquered. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, we're told to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But as you start to read through the rest of the chapter, you're going to find that the writer, Paul, as he was sharing some things about life, their experiences, his experiences in life in general, he shared three things that were stealers of joy that would need to be conquered if you're going to actually be happy on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and then again next Sunday. I know you'd be happy on Sunday just because you're coming to hear me. I get that, all right? But... If you're going to have that joy and be joyful, then there's three things and three things that would steal joy that are going to need to be overcome. Scenarios, I put it as well, which challenge the promises. So what would it take to make you joyful all year long? And quite honestly, some of these things might have already come to your mind that, that said, there's no way I can be happy every day. It's not a possible thing. There is no way that I can really have joy in my heart. So what are the three things? Verse 6 shares the first one. Be careful for nothing. I put it this way. Anxiety is a joy killer, isn't it? Think about that. Worried people aren't joyful. They're not rejoicing all the time. And the reason not is because their mind is on other things. And they're concerned about other things. And quite honestly, it's a joy killer. Uh, if you want to squash joy in your life, then let worry be part of it. And here's the thing. Uh, what year have you ever been through? What week have you ever been through where you haven't had some worry? Something to be concerned about, something to focus on, something to think on that would take your mind away from that which is right. Now, we spent a lot of time in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. We've already preached through the entire passage, and we spent quite a bit of time on the subject of worry. But let me just remind you real quickly that worry has a lot to do. In fact, in Scripture, most of the time, this word is translated thought. Matthew chapter 6 is one where we find it a number of times, take no thought for tomorrow. Worry is when your thoughts are on things they shouldn't be on. Actually, it's interesting, the root word, as we shared with you before, but we're trying to just get our mind thinking that way this morning. The root word means literally to be divided. A worrier is someone whose mind is divided from, the, from what it needs to be on. Distracted might be another way we'd describe it. So that when someone's worried, they're thinking about things they shouldn't be thinking on, things they can't control, things they can't change, things they can do nothing about right now, rather than the things they need to be thinking about right now, or maybe the things they shouldn't be thinking about at all because they're trying to get to sleep and worry is keeping them up at night, whatever might be the case. And so anxiety is one of those joy killers. When your mind is divided or distracted and you're going back and forth and you're all upset about the things that could happen, haven't happened yet, but maybe might happen, and that worry will kill your joy. The church had a lot of things to be anxious about. I mean, we, we could take a lot of time this morning and, and share with you some of the things they were facing. The church... In, in that day, uh, unlike what we enjoy in America, was facing intense persecution for their faith. 
Paul was in prison when he wrote this book. The church at Philippi had experienced some real difficult times. In fact, we're going to read a little bit later about another thing that, is, that steals joy that was a real difficulty they were facing. It was a tough time, and they had a lot of things that they could be worried about. How could they be joyful all the time? And yet, the whole book of Philippians is a book of joy. A guy who's in prison, a, a people who are suffering and, and had all things to worry, all sorts of things they could worry about were people that were told to have joy. Anxiety is a joy killer. There's another thing we find in our passage. Look in verse 11. Uh, Paul talks about, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I, both, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I put it this way, discontentment or difficulties greater than we can handle are joy killers. You know, Paul uh, was ultimately talking in these verses when he gets to verse 13 and talks about I can do all things. I know you, you were already looking at the promise. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When he was sharing that, he was expressing what had been going on a little bit before in verses 11 and 12 in his life. And the issue that he struggled with or an issue that he needed to overcome and face was contentment. I don't know about you, but when you're not content with your lot in life, you're not joyful, are you? And that was something that he faced. Now, here's the truth. You and I face it as well. There's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with, doesn't battle with contentment at times. Just being happy with what you have whether you have plenty or whether you have nothing. In fact, he shares in verse 12, doesn't he? He says, I know how to be abased. I know what I'll buy. I had, I've been, had been times when I've been hungry. There's times when I have plenty of things. And you know what? Here's the truth. It doesn't matter whether you have a lot or whether you have nothing. Contentment is still an issue. It's an amazing thing. So I've heard people say, well, if I just had, if I just had $1,000, if I could just pay this bill off, if I could just, you know, if I just had, oh, if I made the money that they made. I could be content. And here's the truth. When you make money like that, you know what happens all of a sudden? You start to realize, well, if I had a little bit more, I could get this. And if I was just making a little bit more, contentment is an issue that will, if you would, just kill joy in your, in your life. If you are discontented or if you face difficulties that are greater than you can handle in life, it will kill joy. If you find yourself powerless to handle life's difficulties... Um, I thought of an example, David and Goliath. Now, we think of David and we say, man, David, he had a great attitude, didn't he? But do you know what was going on with all the children of Israel? Every day, as Goliath would come out and challenge the armies of the living God, and he would stand out before the, the army, every day he'd come out and do the same thing. And if you read in the passage where the story of David and Goliath is and David's great faith in God and how he was, if you would, had a right attitude in the midst of it, the rest of the people in Israel didn't. They were quaking in their boots every time he came out and he made his statements. And they looked at the circumstance that they were in. They looked at the situation. In fact, even the king did. King Saul It was like, who's going to go against this guy? I'll, I'll pay someone richly if someone will go against them. They were all living, controlled by the fact that there's something bigger than we can handle, and we have to face here in life, and we can't do anything about it. You ever felt that way? It's a joy killer. When you find yourself too weak to handle the things that, you can, that, that come in your life. So, worry. 
is one of the things that will quit that will squash joy in your life. And then we find that things that are bigger than you can handle in life, difficulties greater than your ability and your strength will squash joy. Third thing is found in verse uh, in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need. Need is a joy killer. There's a huge complex being developed about two miles from here. It has a big sign on the building, Ramsey Solutions. Yeah, you know the name. You've heard, and you probably know a lot about them. You probably maybe even heard them on the radio. You can't miss it if you drive on I-65. Do you know what it's been built on? Need? Really? I, I understand by cash, too. Need. Uh, not his. <laughs> Everyone else's. Because people don't have what they need for life. People have financial problems. Now, many of the people that, that he's ended up helping have been financially irresponsible. Uh, many have, have maybe spent far more than they should. Uh, maybe they're in trouble because they created it for themselves. But, you know, there are some hardworking, frugal people who have sought to do that which is right, and yet they struggle with need. They face decisions on a regular basis. You know, do I, do I keep the electricity on this month or, or, uh, or do I eat, you know? Um, do I get the car fixed so I can go to work or, or, you know, do I, what do I do? How do I handle this difficulty? And I'll tell you, there's nothing that will get squashed joy than having need, not being able to meet it. Uh, the current inflation crisis, which our president doesn't believe we have, but we have, doesn't make it easy for people to live from pay to paycheck to paycheck. But there are people who are really in need. And if you're struggling to make ends meet, deciding what bill to pay in a given month can be entirely frustrating and can steal joy. Now, you might believe then, as you look at these things, say, well, I understand that. Worry? Well, I got the check. That's one of my problems. Uh, problems bigger than I can handle, check, that's another problem. Financial need, check, that's another problem. See, pastor, I can't be joyful. You can. Because although we are told in this passage there are stealers of joy, what is so encouraging is that these things can be conquered. Not in our own strength, not in our own ability, but they can be conquered with God's help. And so we have, if you would, the scenario which challenges the promises or the stealers of joy that need to be conquered, but we have supernatural promises for the struggles of life. We have supernatural promises for the struggles of life. And what is so encouraging is just after he gets done saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, he starts to talk about the problems. I said, I'm sorry I had to start there. But you have to understand that there are difficulties in life. Look, let's be honest. When you're worried, you aren't going to be joyful. When you have need, you aren't going to be joyful. Uh, when you are facing a circumstance or situation bigger than you can handle, you're not going to be joyful. But God says they don't have to control your joy in life. And in this passage, he talks in very positive terms. It's not a negative passage at all. Because for each one of these things, he says, there is hope. Supernatural promises to deal with the struggles you are facing in life. So if I discourage you in the first point, 
I'm trying to lift you up a little bit and maybe try to keep you awake in the second point. Because there's three things he talks about here. And the believer has these supernatural promises that he can look to and she can look to and count on to handle these three big joy killers. So what are they? We'll look, if you would, at our passage once again. God says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, verse 6 says. Verse 7 goes on and says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know if peace is ruling in your heart and life, you can be joyful every day of 2023. If worry is, you won't be. But if peace is ruling within, it will be. And God promises peace. He talks about it being available. He has peace that he wants to give. So we could say peace is promised to kill the anxiety uh, that comes in your life. A peace, look if you would at verse 7. I love it. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. It surpasses anything your mind could conceive or imagine. Peace that only God can give. Peace that God has to give. Peace that God is glad to give. Peace that God would love to give and is ready to give and promises to give to those who come to him in obedience to his word. Now, I'm telling you something. We're not talking about uh, some calm that has been giving, given by some process of relaxation and meditation that you've learned to practice. We're talking about a peace that God has given that is, is I knew it was going to, inexplicable. I knew it was going to have trouble getting that word out. You can't explain it. You can't understand it. It is a peace that no one can, when, when, they tell us seeing is believing, but experiencing this peace is something you still won't believe when you have it. At least according to this verse, because it's a peace that passes understanding. It passes human understanding. It's an amazing thing that God can give such a peace when someone is faced with what would normally cause them great worry in life, that God could give such peace that what someone would say, I can't even understand how I could actually be this peaceful in the circumstances in which I find myself. And yet, that is what God promises. So God has something to take care of the problem of worry, and that supernatural promise is peace that he has uh, told you you can have. You can be joyful because God has all the peace you could ever need, and he is more than willing to dispense it. But not only do we find peace, the second thing that will help us, if you would, is power is promised. Look in verse 13. I can do all things. Ah, you know, let's say it together. Join with me. Ready? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Oh, let's say it a little bit. Let's say it like you weren't up till midnight last, last night. Yeah, because some of you, I can tell. I want, I want some enthusiasm here, all right? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. See, you can even say the verse with enthusiasm this morning if you have his strength. There you go. But here, the truth of the matter is we all face situations in life bigger than we can handle, but there is promise, miraculous promise, that is a power that is promised because its source is from God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. God's power gives when the need is present and when one waits dependently on God to supply. Now, we already said this. But Paul's battle here was contentment, verse 11. 
his battle was being content in every situation of life. When he had plenty, when he had little, when he had nothing, when he was hungry, when he was full, whatever the situation, just learning to be content. Now, you can say, that's not my problem, but I doubt it. Probably contentment is an issue that is bigger than you feel like you can handle at times. But we read in verse 13, I can do all things. And he wasn't talking about just contentment there. He's talking about all areas of life. And there's power for all sorts of areas of life where you don't have strength. Paul found help when he was weak. So I don't have the strength, Lord, to be content in this situation. I want to be discontented about what's going on. I want to look at what I don't have or what I do have, and I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to be satisfied in that. God, I need your help, and God provided help for him. And what's interesting, but you can go through the New Testament, and you'll find ta Paul talking about all the problems that he had. He does share a number of those things. But you, in, in those things, he was never down or discouraged. Well, let's not say he never was, but he learned that God could meet every need. So he talked about how he was distressed and in despair. I want to say it's 1 Corinthians 4, maybe it's 2 Corinthians 4. He talked about a, dumper, a number, dumper of things, yes, a number of things that had come his way in life that he was weak in and he couldn't normally handle. But he wasn't discouraged, he wasn't depressed, he wasn't downhearted because God met his need, because God gave him the power and the strength. Remember when he had the thorn in the flesh? We could take time and we won't look there. But you can write if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh that God had given him in his life. And he prayed about it three different times. Lord, take it away from me, take it away from me, take it away from me. And it, those were probably very intense and maybe very lengthy, lengthy times of prayer where he got alone with God and God didn't take it away. And he had to learn something. He learned these words that we quote so often, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And you know what Paul's response was to that? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather rejoice in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm telling you, friends, we need strength if we're going to be joyful this year. And God has it, and he's willing to give it. Peace is promised for worry. Power is promised when you're too weak to do what you need to do in life. But then in verse 19, we learn provision is promised. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Where does the provision come from? Well, we might say God uses people. He does. Sometimes he uses human strength to do work or to open opportunity for someone to earn more money. But if you look at this verse and you look at what we're being taught in this entire passage, we, we find ultimately that if there is supply of your need, it comes by the gracious hand of God. So you may be able to work overtime and you may be offered overtime because God graciously works in your boss or in your company to bring success so that you have the opportunity to work, work overtime and take care of a need. It may be that you have a job that is very demanding and God gives you the strength and the help to meet the needs so that you can provide for your family. But in every case, when your needs are met, it's because there is a God in heaven who has met that need ultimately. Your ability to work in the first place comes from a God who has given you life and given you the legs and arms and the mind and eyes and the body that you have to do the work that you need to do in order to make a living in life in the first place. My friends, there is a God, 
who provides each and every day in life. And there is a God that ha- there, there is no need too great for God to meet. And I'm encouraged by that in this passage. And it reminds me that on Sunday, I can be happy. And on Monday, I can be full of joy. And, and Tuesday, I can have peace in my heart. And on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, I, I can be a joyful Christian all the time, every day. Because the things that I face in life that I don't have strength for, I don't have the ability for, God does. Worry? Worries will come this year. I, I want, want to encourage you. Worry will be part of 2023. But God's peace can be as well. Weakness, inability to do what you need to get done in life, it's going to come in 2023. I know. And I don't mean to discourage you. It's going to come. You will not be able to do everything you need to do in 2023. But God has power for your weakness. Need, want. Now, that may not be something that you face. God has been so good to us in America. We have so many things. Very few of us really live from hand to mouth. But you may suffer some financial needs and setbacks this year. I don't want to discourage you with that, but you may. The fact of the matter is, there may be many financial needs you don't have the ability to meet, but I have a God in heaven that can provide so that I can be happy every day of 2023. Because three great issues that often steal joy, God has an answer for. I was reading an article when we talk about needs that was, uh, was kind of neat because it talked about how um, they, they actually said God's checks never bounce. And I love that. Um, and they, they go through and they explain, they, they told you, just take a check out and look at, look at a check. And uh, the, the, the article kind of went like this. The saying is you can never outgive God. And that may be doubted by overanxious or tight-fisted people. But Paul's letter to the Philippian believers supports that saying. God has the ability. And uh, my God shall supply all your need. To help us place our trust more confidently in this promise, um, uh, someone has put Philippians 4.19 in we can understand this. So they took out a check and they said, my God, the bank, shall supply the check, all your need, the amount, according to his riches and glory, the capital, by Christ Jesus, the signature. And then they said, as with any valid check that you've received, what do you have to do? If you want to get the money, you have to turn it over and you have to, you have to endorse it. And so they said, with any valid check that we've received, we need to endorse God's check through our signature of faith and it will be paid in full. Our God has the ability. You know, it's interesting to me, when I read various illustrations and helps, it's interesting to find that in dealing with these three problems, these three issues, problems bigger than we can face, the matter of, that matter of peace or worry that, that we struggle with, and the matter of need, that a lot of books will say, well, you need to trust in the Lord. And then they spend all sorts of time giving you all sorts of ways that you can find strength, that you can overcome worry, and that you can do this. And a lot of times it seems like even Christian books neglect The simple truths of this passage is that God has these things to give 
if I in faith will obey what he tells me in his, in his word. And I would urge you, if these things are things you struggle with, to go back because this morning we don't have time to preach through and explain them all in full, in detail. But spend some time reading through these passages because they give you instructions and guidelines. And they are far better. The words of Philippians 4 are far better than any book you will ever read on dealing with worry. I don't care what author it's written by because this was given by God and there are specifics that he gives in these passages to encourage us with the hope that these... And so we have the scenarios, if you would, that will challenge the promises, the, the promise of joy or the stealers of joy that have to be conquered. We have the supernatural promises for the struggles that peace, power, and provision is promised by God. Now I want you to consider, and this is one of the things that really stood out to me as I was reading through uh, th this passage, the scope of the promises. Do you realize that each one of these things, all three of these individual issues that are dealt with in the chapter and that he talks about in the chapter, that the, that the scope is amazing because each one gives us a picture of something far greater than anything we'd ever face. Consider this. Be, be careful, verse 6, for... Uh, you know, I've got to say that word. Be careful for... Oh, wait a second. Let's try it again. Be careful for... Nothing. nothing. That, that really means... Thank you. Thank you very much. Nothing. The scope of the promises. You're still battling with the idea of being joyful all the time, aren't you? And in your mind, you're saying, but pastor, you don't understand my situation. You don't know my worries. You don't understand my weakness. You don't understand my need. Truth is, I don't have to. Because this isn't coming from my authority. This is coming from God. And God does. And God has an answer. And God says that there is a scope to each one of these things that you can have clearly, uh, that you can find encouragement in, in. So I may not understand your situation. Your problem may be very great in the matter of worry. You may have all sorts of things you're worried about. And I just made you think about all of them, didn't I? And those things may be firmly in your mind. But I want to encourage you with, with the wonderful thought in these verses that there is the scope covers everything. There is nothing you have to be controlled by worry about. Nothing. Not, the word means not even one. There's not one thing a Christian has to worry about in 2023. Did you hear that? There's not one thing a Christian has to worry about in 2023. Because God has peace greater than any worry. And he makes it available. And that's what it says. Is be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Every concern you have, every worry of life. Now you might say, Pastor, my weakness isn't contentment. We already talked about that in verses 11 to 13. But look at verse 13. I can overcome discontentment. Is that what he wrote? No. Discontentment was the issue he faced. But what I love about verse 13 is that he makes the scope far broader than that. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. 
So Paul didn't want to just write and say, okay, this problem of contentment, you can have victory over. He's saying anything that you're too weak for, God has strength for. Isn't that, isn't that great? The scope is wonderful in this passage. So you come to each one of these things and you find that God has sufficient to deal with it. So all things that you're too weak for. So here's the thing. There is nothing you will face this year that you don't have the strength for that God doesn't have strength to give you for. That God can't meet the need. Nothing. Nothing. In the, I can do all things through Christ who strength, which strengthens me. One writer put it this way. He, Paul, could bear any trial, perform any duty, subdue any evil propensity of his nature. Paul could meet all the temptations incident to any condition of prosperity or adversity. His own experiences in the various changes of life have war had warranted him is something that is applicable to us. In other words, look, I found I can do all things through Christ. And the intent is you can do the same. So that this morning, if you know Christ as Savior and you follow God's pattern and you're looking to God for help, you can find God's strength sufficient for everything that will come in 2023 so you can be happy on Sunday and joyful on Monday and, and living with peace in your heart on Tuesday and whatever other things the song talks about. You see, it is indeed possible because the scope in this passage covers everything. Look at what it says in verse 19. See, what I loved about these three things is that it's all or nothing. You see, you got the all and nothing stuff that's brought out in each one. Look at verse 19 again. But my God shall supply most of your needs. No, but my God shall supply... Okay, I can do, be careful for, it's an all or nothing scenario in this passage. I don't have to worry about anything. There's nothing that's too great that God can't strengthen me for. There's no need to, too desperate that God cannot meet. I don't know about you, but don't you find that encouraging? And, and this is, you know what all means? In the Greek, all. Are you impressed? Look, the whole of it, if you wanted to get a little bit more technical, every bit of it. God has riches and glory that can provide every need. He has strength. He has peace that can meet every need. So there's not a worry, a weakness, or a want that you might have that God doesn't have the ability to meet and that God doesn't promise to me. And that is why joy is possible. So, um, oh, they, let me give you the science of the promises or the securing of the promises. Um, first, and, and this, is, uh, this is something I know I'm going to encourage you with, but I think it's important for us to know. And I know that you'll think this is profound because I'm just, you know, profound. I mean, I already told you what all means. So 
There you go. But here's the thing, okay? You, you aren't going to have this supply without need. You won't know God's peace unless you have things to worry about. You won't know God's supply unless you have need. You won't know God's power unless you're weak. And so I, I don't mean to discourage you today, but if you want to talk about the science of it, we got to understand that we have to have need in order for God to prove that he has this available. So I'm telling you, this year, I, 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 it's going to be a needy year. As every year has been in your life, and every year will be until he comes again, or until you take Sean. You will be needy, and the reason you will be is because you need that to learn about your God. You can't learn about his peace until you have anxiety. You can't learn about his strength until you're weak. You can't learn about his provision of need until you have financial need. So as much as we don't like to talk about it, but we know the reality is because you said you couldn't be that way every day of the week. It's just a dumb kid song. No one can really have that joy, but the truth of the matter is we have to have these situations before we can ever experience what God has promised to meet. The promises aren't needed without need. That's, that was the profound statement I got for this week for you. People, though, a lot of times complain about their difficulties. Why would God put me in this financial position? Why did God do that to me? Why did God give me this bill? Why did my vehicle break down? Come on, you ever been there? You ever gotten frustrated with some of the things that have happened? Why all these things? Don't worry about I me. Mean, why, why is everything falling apart right now? I know, you've never, you've never felt that way. I'm the only one. I just, I'm the rotten one in this crowd. Why, are I, why do I have all these things? Why are all these things going on that want to distract my mind? Why do I, why am I so weak? Why can't I do, look, um, we ask those questions and sometimes we're forgetting that to enjoy the promises, there's got to be need first. I have to have anxious challenges. I have to be weak. I have to be without in order for me to look to God and for God then to supply and prove himself to be the God that he is. The God that can meet every need and give me joy every day, all the time. So here's the truth. The promises aren't needed without need, so you're going to have need. And we already know that anyway. That wasn't like a revelation. The second thing is I have to have faith that God has what I need. I have to believe that God has peace he wants to give me and he's willing to give me. Faith. I've got to be willing to say God has the answers. God has what I need. And this is a big problem that keeps me from a joyful life, unbelief. And do you know how, how people express it? They don't say, well, I, don't, I just don't believe. You know what they say? I'm just a worrier. Have you ever had someone say that? I'm just a worrier. That's just the way I am. That's my nature. 
or um, they, might, they might say, this problem is just too big. And those things all are saying, there's a God in heaven that can't meet my need. And the moment you're saying that is the moment you forfeit the experience of God's power, God's peace, God's provision. So here's the truth. If you're going to be joyful, first you're going to have need. You will, and God will allow it, and God will give it. And when that need comes, you're going to need the faith to say, there's a God in heaven that has a supply for my need. And I believe it, and I'm willing to accept what he said, that God would supply all my need, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I don't have to be careful for anything. I'm going to believe what God has said in his word. And then I need to be willing to step out in faith and act upon what he's told me to do. So what do I do about worry? Read through this passage and see. Pull out the message that was preached about a month or six years ago because I always take a long time to get through books anyway. But listen to and think about and ponder what God has said in his word about these things and look in the rest of scripture to find Bible answers that you can rest your faith on and say, okay, God, I have this need. This problem is bigger than me. This worry is something that I have to struggle with, this financial need. God, I need help with this and I can't do anything. I'm trusting you. You've promised this in your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to obey what you've told me to do. Faith is evidenced by implicitly following what he has instructed you to do. By the way, I say this, even Christian books, self, self-help Christian books that you can find by, by the dozens, if not by, by the hundreds in Christian bookstores, a lot of them tell you their solutions and don't tell you God's. So if you're going to find help, it's not finding the right book and the right author. It's getting to the author and finding out what he has to say, and trusting his word. Now, people can give you ideas and help you to understand clearly what scriptures say, and I'm not saying that counsel can't help, or that a book can't give you guidelines and can't give you instructions that might, might help you, but I'm telling you that if you're trusting in what an author said, and you're not looking to the God who has made the promise, then you're finding strength other than the strength talked about in Philippians chapter 4 for the problems of your life and you're missing out because there is a God in heaven who has promised these things, but they only come when you're looking to him, not looking to the solutions that you've come up with in your own mind, your own strength, or the solutions that someone's given you, the five steps that will help you to overcome financial difficulty. It will come when you, as you take those steps, are looking to God saying, God, I believe you've directed me to this book and this instruction that's consistent with your word, and I'm going to follow it, and I'm trusting you to meet my need. I'm depending upon you. That's really where it comes. There are some things I've learned about worry that will help me to overcome it, but, my, but God, i I, I got to make sure that they're true to your word and I'm going to follow what your word says and I'm looking to you to take care of and deal with and give me the peace that I have. So I have to promises aren't needed without need. I must have faith that God has what I need and then I need to step out and obey him in faith and in obedience, looking always to him to supply that need. 
Anything wrong with going to the doctor or something you're worried about health-wise? No. Here's the problem when you go to the doctor and you're trusting the doctor to take care of your medical problem and you haven't looked to God. There is a problem if you're taking medicine and you're counting on the medicine and you're not looking to God saying, God, this is the medicine I believe will be of help, but I know you are the great physician and you're the healer. I need you. I am so encouraged that on Sunday I can be happy and Monday I can have joy and Tuesday I can have peace that no one can destroy. And on Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, I can be a joyful Christian every day of this week and every day of every week in 2023 if the Lord tarries his coming and allows me to live each day. Because there is a God in heaven that has everything I need and is waiting to provide it. But I must trust him. And do you know what I find? I'd love, look at verse 20 of this chapter. Paul comes to the end of this. He's, He's been talking about all these things. And it's just like Paul just breaks out in praise. It's almost like he's overwhelmed. You know what, Philippian church, God will supply all your need. And, and you know what? You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be careful about anything. You don't have to have your thoughts distracted. You don't have to be that way because God has peace. And I found that God has given me strength for each and every situation in my life. And so when he comes to the end of all that, uh, he just breaks out, none unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I serve a great God, and he deserves honor and glory because he's got everything I need to be joyful every day of my life. So make the sacrifice of praise and just rejoice in the fact that there is a God in heaven that this year can make every day for you a day of rejoicing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.